Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. The Kraken back at it today, taking on the Red Wings at 4 p.m. Meanwhile, 24 hours from now, uh, Friday afternoon is the NHL's trade deadline bump. I don't think at this point we're expecting the Kraken to make any major deal. Potentially, they might not make any deal at all. So let's figure out what it means for this team. Does it mean that they're going to postpone contention? Does it mean that they don't need help? I mean, you've got Andre Burkowski coming back. I know February wasn't the most fun month for the Kraken, but there were some lessons learned. Um, I mean, when you look at this team moving forward, are you comfortable with them not making a move? No. Yeah. <laughs> you and <laughs> I are not. both like that for anything with the Mariners. Should have spent. Like there, there's a reason why you have the option to make moves because it gives you an opportunity to make your team better. Yes. That's me as an analyst, as a fam. As a GM, they know what they have. If they feel comfortable, they feel comfortable. With me personally, no, nah, I want to see something. I want to see a defenseman. I want to see uh, we got uh, our our top goal scorers out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I want to get more production up there. I just want to see them make a move to make these guys Mo better. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know a hundred hockey players that would make this oh. team good. But I look at the guys that they're connected to. I go, yeah, I'd take him. Well, and so what's uh, interesting, I was looking at the standings the other day. There was this great article in the Seattle Times by Jeff Schwartz. And he's basically saying, look, the Kraken um, can go one of two ways, but they have to make a decision. Right. Like Ron Francis, GM of the Kraken, is going to have to decide whether he wants to make a move and try to compete now or whether he wants to hold off and maybe try to compete in the future. Let's figure out uh, what Greg Wyshynski thinks they can do. Uh, ESPN's Greg Wyshynski joining us right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Uh, Greg, we were just talking about the Kraken 24 hours away from the trade deadline. I don't know that either of us expect them to make any major move. Um, When you look at them, do you see a playoff team if they stand pat? I do only because it seems like the numbers are, are the herd is thinning in the Western yeah. Conference as you start to see teams that might otherwise hang around and try to get in at the wild card spot, like the National Predators and the St. Louis Blues, for example, uh, going into to seller mode uh, at the deadline. So by a sheer numbers game, uh, it, it looks like they might be able to get in because they're only really competing maybe with one other team that's outside the playoffs looking in, which is the Calgary Flames. And, um, you know, do I expect them to make any big moves? No, because they're not in the East, uh, which is apparently the, uh, the, the requirement that this deadline for uh, making a huge move is being based in the Eastern Conference. It is an absolute arms race over there. When you look at this team, say they, they were to make a move. Um, if you were the GM of the Kraken, what would be your priority? It's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I think they've shored up a lot of, of issues that they had from last season's edition. Uh, with their off-season moves that they that they made, I mean, obviously bringing in veneers on a full-time basis really helped them at center, and and they you know obviously added a, a bit more veteran scoring to the wing. Could really tell you. I mean, like I think at this point for the Kraken, the the question is uh, more along the lines of where can we upgrade over the players that we already have, and and like you were saying, and when we started the conversation, I mean, it's all a matter of where Ron Francis thinks this team is and its maturation as a contender. I mean, they have the luxury of being able to wait, knowing that they've got, you know, veteran guys in some places, but but a player like Veneers, who clearly is going to be mm-hmm. the torchbearer for the, the next 
you know, several years of what the team's going to be. You know, kind of staying in this vein and going off of your first response about it's kind of, you know, a thinning herd in the Western Conference. I mean, the league standings overall, spots one through six held by Eastern teams. There's still Western Conference teams, obviously, that are ahead of Seattle. I mean, uh, Vegas still with more points. You have, you know, Minnesota, Dallas, but it's much closer, right? You don't have the holy cow, like the 99 points Boston does. Unbelievable. But, um, is there like an argument to be made for still trying to compete this year, given what the Western Conference looks like? Yeah, I mean, but I think the argument to compete is that you have a feeling you're going to be a playoff team and then let the chips fall where yeah. they may. I, I think the, the question about the Western Conference right now that a lot of people within the NHL are asking is, you know, what does it mean to have Colorado in your conference? Now, for some reason, that hasn't necessarily scared off anybody in the East from, from upgrading, even though the Boston Bruins look like they're going to be, uh, they're currently on track to be the best regular season team we've ever Unreal. seen in the, in the NHL. And, and they've only added players to that mix. You still have teams like the Rangers and, and Tampa and, and the, and the Leafs and the Devils who have all upgraded in their own ways to compete with that. But in the West, I mean, there's a certain amount of, I think, concession to the idea that the Avalanche might be a step ahead of everybody else when they're healthy. Now, granted, they still have some holes they have to fill from last year's edition. I mean, they, they started the season needing a replacement for Nazem Kadri at second-line center. They haven't done it yet. But you're, you're seeing a lot less aggression in the West insofar as the upgrades the teams are making. Um, maybe that's acknowledgement of how good Colorado could be when they're at full strength. Maybe it's, it's just the sheer economics of things where teams in the East were able to do some moves that teams in the West couldn't. Greg, you mentioned the the East being insane. Has there been any moves any moves made in the West that um, that have elevated some of these teams and made them for sure contenders, or just big moves in general that happened out West? Well, I thought the Kings did a nice bit of business in, in the trade that sent Jonathan Quick to the Blue Jackets, and now Quick is playing for the Vegas Golden Knights because that's how quickly things move <laughs> in this uh, trade deadline. But I thought Gabrikov and, and Corpusalo are both upgrades for a, a team that was already pretty good. I mean, I think that their blue line is now better. Quick, obviously, wasn't a very good goalie this year for a team that was pretty good. Uh, so getting Corpusalo, who's really turned his career around over the last couple of months for Columbus, I think is, is stabilizing a position that uh, the uh, ascendance of Phoenix Copley had already sort of established uh, as being better than many people expected. Uh, but other than that, I, you know, it's more about the teams that, that didn't make moves. I mean, the Dallas Stars are a glaring example. They, they made one for uh, Dodonov, who's a pretty good scoring winger. But they were a team that I think a lot of us were waiting to see if they were going to make a more dramatic move because they've got a lot of the pieces in place to really challenge for a cup this year. You know, veteran players, good scoring lines, a great goalie, and Jake Ottinger, a great defenseman, and in, 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 uh, in he's So they're a team that's sort of glaring in their um, – uh, lack of a, of a key move so far at this deadline. Who do you see as the favorite out of the West? I know that you see the Kraken as a playoff team, but obviously there are teams right now with more points and maybe more complete rosters. It's still Colorado. I mean, yeah. it's still Colorado's conference to lose. Um, yeah, again, like I said, yeah, I was talking to a, a GM this morning about the Avalanche, and, and there is a certain acknowledgement around the league that they're they're still great. I mean, they, when you have McKinnon and McCarr and Ranton and, uh, and a, a healthy Landis Cog at some point, you're really, really good. You're, you're obviously going to be in pretty good shape, but they still haven't replaced some of the pieces that they had last year that really excelled for them um, in a satisfactory way. And so there's, you know, and, and they also don't have the same uh, goaltender as they had last year in, in Kemper going to the Capitals. And, you know, it's so there's a bit of a different mix. And I think there's a certain amount of trepidation as to what they could end up looking like in the playoffs. But 
just overall, I think when, when you watch them put the pedal down and, and you, when you watch them um, be healthier than they've been, you know, previously this season, you're, you're watching a team that could easily play for a second straight Stanley Cup. What's the perception of this cracking team? You know, last year it was, okay, they don't score enough goals, goaltending a suspect, and we've had spans <laughs> where they, it seems like they address all those concerns, but they fall back into what we've seen. So when you talk to players or GMs or whoever's connected to the NHL and they talk about the cracking, what are they saying? It doesn't often come up. <laughs> I mean, I'm being wow. honest. The audacity. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it's, it's I mean, it's, most of the conversations I have with GMs about the Western Conference are centered around teams like Colorado and right. Los Angeles. Vegas comes up a lot because of the constant uh, uh, soap opera that's there. I mean, I think there's a there's a, a an acknowledgement that a lot of the things that were being said about the Kraken last year have come to pass, which is that if they could just get a save, you know, if they could just not ha- give up a goal. 30 seconds after they score one, you know, it was going to be a different situation for them last than it, than it was last season. And, and lo and behold, that's kind of what, how it's played out here. Look, they've, they've got a lot of, of, they're loaded, you know, in some areas of this team on wing. I think definitely, I think the ascendance of the years, like I said, has been impressive for people, I, I, you know, but when it comes to a Ron Francis team, and it was the same situation with the Carolina hurricanes, it's just a matter of, of trying to figure out when he's going to, push his chips in, really get aggressive, really make that, that franchise-shifting move. Um, and you know, if you talk to Hurricanes fans during his tenure there, they were left waiting. <laughs> he never, it never really came to fruition uh, while he was the GM. He's, he's a very patient man sometimes to a fault. Uh, well, you know what? We created a fake narrative where the NHL and Gary Bettman just don't want the Kraken to succeed. So this is only feeding into that. Like, it's completely <laughs> fake, uh, completely false and invented that we did as like a bit a while ago. And and I'm just this is all this is doing is adding fuel to the fire, Greg. Um, hey, so uh, kind of sticking on the on the Ron, Ron Francis point with with Carolina kind of not making a move. Um do you have like a philosophy that you look at when you look at what great GMs have done to build teams where, you know, you just look and say like, Hey, this was a path that really worked out for these guys. Yeah. And it, and it, it speaks exactly to that thing that we were just talking about with Francis, which is that you cannot fall in love with your own assets. You can't fall in love with your draft capital. You can't fall in love with your prospects. You have to be able to have the ability to know, when you need to package some of those things together and get the upgrades that you need. The, the LA Kings to me are the, always the great example of this where, you know, they gave up some really, really good players in the uh, early part of the last decade, guys like Braden Shen and Wayne Simmons, and Jack Johnson, guys that are still playing today to acquire players like Jeff Carter and, and Mike Richards. But in doing that, they got the guys that were essentially the last puzzle pieces that, that snap into place to enable the Kings to win two Stanley Cups. So it's for me, the, a good GM is the one that isn't afraid to be aggressive, that isn't afraid to go after the players that they think the team needs to really get over the hump. Um, and, and that could be tough sometimes because no, no GM in this league wants to be the one that looks back on a trade and, and is like, oh my God, I just... I can't believe that guy won MVP <laughs> after after right. I traded that draft pick. You know what I mean? So, like, I understand the hesitancy, but I think the good GMs are the ones that are, are uh, aggressive at the right time. When you look at just the uh, trajectory of the Kraken, obviously, to me at least, are the common fan is centered around Matty Beneers and Shane Wright. Um, how has the development of Sha- uh, Matty Beneers looked to you? And then what have you heard about Shane Wright down there in the desert? Well, I mean, I think, I think you know, 
having Shane Wright move down a level is probably the best thing for his development, um, you know, to play and to not have the pressures of being in the NHL as, as, as such a young player. I mean, Beniers was as advertised. You know, we got a taste of it last year in that in that brief uh, window of games at the end of the season. There was always the expectation that he was going to come up and be able to produce offensively, but also be a a real good, complete center early in his career. And I, and I think that's what we've we've seen. Um, our next awards watch will come out Monday. I am intrigued to see what his lead for Rookie of the Year looks like. I think some of the other candidates may have faded since the last one that we did, in particular Logan Thompson, the goalie for the. Vegas Golden Knights, who was kind of the reason that they were competing and contending until uh, he was injured recently. So um, it's it's been a great rookie season for him, and I think that um, it's it's as advertised. There was a lot of anticipation for him being this good, and and I think he's really done a, a great job in solidifying solidifying a position that was a position of need for the Kraken last year. Hey, Greg, full disclosure, I didn't grow up watching a ton of hockey. Obviously, we didn't have uh, a team here, and I was just far more in love with baseball uh, at the time in the in the 90s in Seattle. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still catching on to, like, what some of the more fun stories are. And if you're in love with sports, you can fall in love with, with any narrative in sports. What's personally just one of the stories that you've loved either following or covering this year in the NHL? Well, one of the things that I'm going to be writing about at some point, and it's one of the great traditions in hockey, is the uh, player of the game award. Now, I know they definitely do a little bit of gimmickry, I believe, in Seattle as well for what they give out to the player of the game. But in, in Vegas, they just started giving out an Elvis wig and Elvis sunglasses to the player of the game. You know, most teams have like championship belts occasionally. I mean, New York, the Rangers have done a top, like a, like a top hat uh, they call it a Broadway hat. They've done that for years. So it's one of the cool little quirks of, of the NHL and, and of hockey in general is the sort of post-game player of the game trinket. The guy gets up, mm-hmm. he gives a speech, it's the whole thing. And it's been fun to see maybe some new innovations this year that we haven't seen before. Love it. All right. He is Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. Kind enough to join us for a little bit of a preview of the trade deadline, talk and crack and all kinds of good stuff. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Greg. All right. Again, ESPN's Greg Wyshynski. Thanks so much to Greg for joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Talking X's and O's with Michael Bumpus. Four down territory time. This is four down territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down. There's a reason a position of need for the Hawks hasn't been able to produce a quality homegrown product the last four seasons. What is it, and why doesn't this surprise you? Homegrown talent. You love to see it, and you know why? Because they're cheap. Yeah, because it's great. It's, it's easy to fall in love with someone you know, that you have here. Been here for a while, and I look at <clears throat> excuse me, the last four drafts. Last four drafts, you got six defensive linemen, five O-linemen, four LBs, two running backs, seven wide receivers, three, oh, excuse me, five DBs, and a couple of tight ends. The position that we're always looking at, you and I, at least when it comes to that number five pick, if... Uh, you know, things happen with Geno and you got to go quarterback. But typically we're looking at the defensive line and they have not drafted a defensive tackle since DeMarcus Cousins back in 2018 or 2019. They got Puna Ford undrafted free agent. He works better in a 4-3. But that alone lets you know they haven't been really invested in that position when it comes to uh, developing a homegrown talent. Look at offensive line. You got two, three starters in the last four years. LB, you got a couple starters there in Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton. I know people. You, how you feel about Cody? No, we don't like Cody all right. Barton, Bob. All right. They all can't be Hall of Famers. <laughs> Did he you got, hear that? I heard it. You got two <laughs> running backs who are playing. 
you drafted seven receivers and one has hit and then a little uh, kind of hit with Freddie Swain. Yeah. 3DBs. All I'm saying is that this is important. If you want to build a great defense, you got to have the dogs in the trenches and you can get them for cheap. I'm not saying you're going to get a guy and he's going to automatically be a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. but you want a guy who's going to be there Every single down, big body, help out Al Woods if he comes back. You just need some help, some big bodies at that spot. So I looked at the draft and I go, well, they haven't really addressed that position in a while. Now's the time to do it. No wonder we haven't had some real homegrown as of late. It is so weird to think of it because I'm thinking of this now the second time around uh, of where they've gotten some of the starters that they've had. And it's like, okay, well, they signed Tom Johnson as a free agent out of Minnesota. Shamar Stevens, they signed. Uh, They traded for Sheldon Richardson. Obviously, Puna Ford was undrafted, as you mentioned. And then you mentioned Al Woods as a free agent. It's like, why? I wonder why they've either uh, signed via free agency, like veteran guys. It's not like there's a dearth of talent at defensive tackle. There's kind of a drop-off everywhere when you get later in the draft. So I wonder why that's especially been the case with defensive tackle for them. Yeah, it's interesting. But with Clinton Hurt being the defensive coordinator, being a guy who played on that defensive line, I would expect them to address that position. They have to. There's no way they're not going to. Second down. Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions, a fan favorite for any NFL fan. But what's another reason he's one of your favorite coaches in the league? Because of this quote right here. He goes, look, I guess there's somewhat of a spectacle. Campbell said, to me, it's more at this point, just able to sit down with these guys. He's talking about them at the combine. They get the medical during the week. But for us, is able to sit these guys through some interviews. It's the biggest part of all of it. It's not even the working out portion. Mm-hmm. To me, you grade them off a of tape. You don't grade them off of pajamas and running the 40 with no defender around him. He says, the meetings are great. The meetings are really pivotal. All this other stuff, whatever. And I, <laughs> I appreciate him. Because he's a football player. He understands. He goes, there are guys who train for these drills, and they look phenomenal. We're watching the big boys go to work right now. But there's no defender out there. Yeah. There's no linebacker going to pop you in your chin as you're trying to climb to the second level. There isn't chaos going on around you. You can look good in these drills, but look bad in them pads. So I appreciate that about Dan Campbell. Obviously, the combine has become a spectacle. People watch it. I watch it. I tune in. But I also understand a receiver should be able to run a slant with nobody there and catch it. A receiver should be able to drop, uh, catch a ball over the shoulder. If you get to the combine, you're one of the top 300 players in the country. There's like 100,000 college football players out there. So I understand where he's coming from. I appreciate it. Watch the film. Break it down. 206. Malik McDowell really messed him up for a lot of years. Yeah, good point. There's a domino effect from that. That was the Sheldon Richardson. You ended up trading curse. Like all these little things were fallout from that. And you you wouldn't think that like just missing on a second round pick messes up everything for a while but it was just uniquely impactful mm-hmm. in the worst way yep. uh third down tell us one of the cooler stories in the nfl this year andre carter it's a player over there at army 15 and a half sacks his junior year only five and a half his senior year but um if you go to army you go to navy you go to air force you are required to do two years of service as soon as you graduate you finish your commitments over there now and you have to commit to that two years of service going into your third year. So what Andre Carter did, he goes, look, I didn't have the greatest sophomore season. I'm going to commit. I'm going to serve my country. We appreciate you, dog. Yeah. But then he goes out and gets 15 and a half sacks. Now these college coaches are in his ear. They're even offering him to transfer, hit the transfer portal. Like, hey, man, transfer. See what's going on. If he transferred, he'd have to pay all that money back for his schooling. Right? So, of course, he's going to transfer. I got to finish. He has a senior year. He gets hurt before his senior year, but he still records five and a half sacks and helps them win like the last three or four games. 
and he's getting calls from these scouts saying, look, you're a possible top 50 pick. But he goes, man, I got to do my two years. So some rule went down. You go to politics. I'm not in the news side. Yeah, That's yeah. Kyra over there, okay? All these politics <laughs> go down, and he's able to be grandfathered into a rule that allows him to now go to the NFL and live out his dreams. When he's done playing, then he has to do his mandatory two years of service. I just like this because these young men and women sacrifice everything to keep us safe. Right, they go to these institutions, these universities, knowing that they're going to have to, or mm-hmm. they're choosing to, uh, protect this country. Yeah. But now he gets to live out two dreams. I'm from a military family. Everyone in my family who went to the military dreamed of going to the military, wanted to go to the military. I would assume that's the same way for him. So I heard the story and I go, man, this is awesome. This young man had a great junior, senior season. Um, was able to go to the combine now. Probably going to get drafted in the first or second round. Not too many guys have been drafted out of Army, Navy, or Air mm-hmm. Force. Just a good story, man. Something I think more people should be talking about. Big up, Sandra Carter. He's a huge dude. Holy yeah, cow. Big boy. 6'7", 260. Be a LeBron. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, could, you could play ball. You could hoop. Be a tight end. All right. Uh, fourth down. choices for this one, but what is your favorite event at the Combine? Now, I just got on the Dan Campbell wagon and said, you know what? These Combines don't mean They're nothing. you a hypocrite. I want to see the film. Put it on film, but you know what? I just you like You made football. Dan Campbell sound so Southern. I know. Why, why'd I do that? Where are you from, Dan Campbell? <laughs> I, know. I know he lives in Detroit. Why'd <laughs> you like from, from Florida? Oh, right. Felt right, though. Yeah. So I did all that, and but I'm a football guy. I just love football, and sure. I watched the Combine, and my favorite thing to watch Obviously, the 40 is probably the most attractive because guys running fast. Everyone loves that. But I like seeing the big boys move the weight. 225 pounds. I saw a guy a few years ago from Oregon put up 45, 50 reps at 225. My warm-up weight is 135, and I'm not putting up 135, 50 times. Just the muscle endurance and the strength that these dudes have really put it into perspective about how violent and dangerous it is in the trenches when you're messing with these big boys. So I, I like... I appreciate watching these athletes perform. I understand the complexity of some of this stuff, especially the big boys, but us DBs and receivers, it's real simple. I just love seeing somebody be strong. I used to I used to stay up late. Not even stay up late. I used to wake up, and I watched ESPN before I went to sleep every night as a kid. And I'd wake up in the strongest man competition to be on when they're picking up boulders and stuff. I'd wake up from a slumber and just watch it for about 10 minutes. I just love, I'm like, those dudes are way bigger than me, way stronger than me. I just really appreciate it because I can't do it. Yeah. So that's why I like watching the 225 If reps. you had to choose an event in the combine and it is against every participant, so there's still like offensive linemen and, and whatever, defensive tackles that are doing it. If you had to pick an event in the combine where you could not be in last place, oh, what would you pick? It's the gauntlet. For sure, the receiver gauntlet. But they turn and catch one side, yeah. one side, run that line. Yeah, yeah, I'd kill that. I like it when they have videos of people who get hit in the head. Yeah, you it's like kind of, that? Well, no, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Like you see a guy go through and he just like gets bonked in the head because it doesn't really. Everyone's fine. My boy right? got my boy uh, Jason Williams was a receiver for Oregon back mm-hmm. in the day. He got invited to the combine. No, he got hit. No, in the head. my guy. Jay, but now, now don't I worry. He works for Nike. He's fine. He's good. It worked out. He's it totally good. worked out. All right, hype train coming your way next. This is What's on Tap with Bump and Stacy, brought to you by Dick's Driving. So, folks, what's on tap? The Kraken are back at it. Game against the Red Wings. That one at 4 p.m. today. Also, as a reminder, NHL's trade deadline is 24 hours away. That's What's on Tap, brought to you by Dick's Driving. Right now, we're heading to the station for Hype Train. 
first one in here, I'm going to go ahead and stick with the NHL. I mentioned that the Kraken are playing tonight. Also, that the Kraken trade deadline, excuse me, the NHL trade deadline is 24 hours away. Friday afternoon, officially when the league office closes. This is your hype train. Tell me if you're boarding. The Kraken will make a move. Now, I would like to preface... You are boarding this train if you think it's any trade whatsoever. Sending someone away, a trade for a small pick, whatever it is, major, minor. The Kraken are making a move, is your hype train. We've spoken to Andy Ide, and we just talked to Greg Wyshynski. Did I say it right? Wyshynski. Wyshynski. I like that name. A lot of whys in his last name. A lot of whys. And, and uh, they both said, you know, no, no plan on it. It's not going down. And then you hear Ron Francis say, I like my team. He also said, I ain't afraid to bust a move neither, so don't trip. <laughs> but I'm going to, I got three that say, <laughs> stay three situations that say no. I got one situation that says yes. I would love for them to make a move. What move? I don't know. Just make a move. Surprise me. But because I'm listening to the experts here, they are not making a move. I'm not on that train. All right. The hype train is that the Kraken are making a move before tomorrow's trade deadline. Bump is looking at what the experts have said and looking at his own analysis of this team saying, nah, I don't think so. I don't think this is happening. Whether it's major, whether it's minor, I don't see a move being made in the next 24 hours. Curtis, if you think a move will be made, you are boarding the train. If you agree with Bump, you're staying at the station. Boy, I so desperately want them to make a move. And yes, they're only in year two of their existence. And you don't want to see them make a move that just takes a blowtorch to any sort of future they have. But as we've learned in this town, playoff trips are not something to be taken lightly. That hurt. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, it Mariners. Stinks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you are on the cusp of the playoffs here in the Western Conference. Why not make, even if it's a minor move, make something happen tomorrow that solidifies your spot in the back half of the Western Conference playoff picture. I don't think they're going to be winning the Pacific Division this year, which is a bummer because they got had such a great first half of this season. They were in first place in the All-Star break. Um, but I, I don't know if they're going to win the division, but I think something does get done tomorrow. So I'm boarding this train, whether it's minor or major. I mean... Hey, I said it, I said any move is, would uh, count. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that a move is being made. I, I wish that we knew more about Burkowski and what his injuries like. I think that we're still weeks away as opposed he's to the, like. Uh, he's the Mitch Hanniger. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be like, this thing oh, of like, we'll we made an acquisition. And it's like, but you already had You already had him. <laughs> no, I don't think a move is being made. Next type train into the station. Jared Kelnick, talk of the town from Peoria as the Mariners uh, enter into another week of spring training. And uh, he's got three home runs so far. Obviously had back-to-back jacks in uh, his first uh, first game. I don't know, a game last week. Uh, had a home run uh, after Julio yesterday. And there's lots and lots of excitement. There's also not a lot of chances. He's got one more option remaining. This is your hype train. Tell me if you're boarding. Jared Kelnick. Spends the entire year on the major league roster. My die, my die, my guy has made some changes in his life. Got out of dad's shadow or under his wing in Wisconsin and said, you know, I'm going back to Cali, going to Arizona, working on my timing, changing things up. And because of that, he will see it all happen for him. He will be the two in the one-two combo with Julio Rodriguez. So, with all that being said, I'm on that train. He's a Mariner, baby. Let's go. Bump is boarding the train. The hype train is the one Jared Kelnick. Now, 
It's not a specific stat you have to agree with, though there are implications of him staying on the Major League roster. The hype train is that Jared Kelnick spends the entire season on the Major League roster. There is no demotion. There is no movement at all. I mean, you can be, like, injured or whatever, I guess, but there is no movement back to AAA. Jared Kelnick spends the entire year on the Mariners roster. Bump is boarding. Are you, Curtis? I mean, as the great, or well, as... It's George W. Bush once said. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in it's Tennessee. It says, fool me it once. It is a great saying. Shame, Shame on, on you. On you. Shame on you. You fool me. Fool me. You can't get fooled again. You can't fool again. I love that quote. I, I, I feel like we have been fooled a couple of times with Jared Kelnick. And against my better judgment... I'm boarding this train because the setup was beautiful. Yeah, it was. You know what? (laughs) Wow. He's making a turn, folks. He's got a new batting stance. That's one of the. He does. That's how you know. I mean, Jared Kelnick has had more batting stances (laughs) than I think actual hits in the major leagues. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Build them up, break them down. Yeah, seriously. Come (laughs) on. This one looks to be working quite well. Uh, Yeah, he cleared his head this offseason, didn't go home. Spin it out on the West Coast. It's the best coast, as they say. <laughs> uh, so, Jared Kelnick, he's going to spend the entire year on the Major League roster. Book it, folks. Oh, man. Had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> man, oh, man, oh, man. I'm going to join it because I don't like being left out. It's <laughs> <laughs> Stacy's life motto. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually, my optimism meter is much higher than my true faith uh, and belief meter. However, I'm going to go with optimism over what I've seen before and and just hope that this turns around because I would love, love to see the Mariners make a deep push in the playoffs. And I think Jared Kelnick being great is going to be a huge part of that. Next type train into the station. I am sticking with the Mariners for this one. Now, it's not a slide on Robbie Ray. Rather, it's excitement about George Kirby. The hype train is this. George Kirby finishes as your second best starter. Mm. Ooh. Second best. So you could do that. So it's by either like, Luis being number one, Robbie being yes. number one. Either way, he's splitting those two. Yeah. Nah, man. I'm, I'm rolling with the veterans, the guys who have done it, who have proved. Yes, I know Robbie gave up that you know what, you know when. We're not going to talk about it. We're moving past that. Yeah, the home run that shall not be. Oh, made. he's a bum. Yeah, Castillo ah. is just too consistent, too smooth, too calm. I yeah. love it. I wouldn't be mad. But I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. The hype train is that Kirby finishes as your number two guy. Uh, Bump says, you know what? I'm going with the vets on this one. I would love to see it, but still going with Castillo and Ray. Curtis, are you boarding this train? With the support of George Kirby's brother, who loves him dearly. Okay. Uh, Again, we don't need to keep, we don't need to keep calling out gonna, the time that I asked George Kirby about his brother. And George have, Kirby said he didn't have a brother. the best season of his young major league career. Uh, I think George Kirby will be the second best starter on this Mariners team by the end of the season. I'm boarding this train, and I don't think that's a I don't think that's a knock on Robbie Ray. I don't no. think that's a knock on Logan Gilbert. I just think George Kirby is so ridiculously good and can be so ridiculously good. I think back to his start against the Astros in the in Game Three of the Division Series. He was a man on a mission that mm-hmm. day. I think we're going to see more of that Kirby this season. So that's why I'm boarding the train. Kirby debuting tomorrow? I know Gilbert's today, right? so, yeah. 
I think it's tomorrow, if not Saturday, but I believe tomorrow. I need to double check. Um, the way that Shannon was talking about some of the pitches that are going to be introduced by these guys makes me very curious about Kirby. I think she was talking about guys out of the pen, but when she said the best is yet to come, Kirby hasn't pitched yet. Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe she was talking about Kirby looking great. I'm putting words in her mouth, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to say yes and board this train. Let's get to the last one here and be really, 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 really fast. I just want to stick with one of the themes today. We were talking about some of the best sports movies. Creed 3 comes out tomorrow. You two are very excited about it. I still need to catch up and watch Creed in the first place. Love Michael B, though. Uh, This is your hype train. Inspired by Curtis, we were debating this. The Last Dance is the best sports installment of the last 10 years. Whether it's films, whether it's shows, whether it's documentaries, whatever it is, The Last Dance is the best edition of the last 10 years. Easy. Yes. Train. Horn. Let's go. (laughs) Train. Horn. Boarding. Gone. Curtis, station. You train with bump. Board ticket now. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Absolutely. We're all aboard that train. And we need your questions for what I need to know. So get those sent in now to the Mac and Jacks text line 866-979-3776. Again, any question, te- question, text it now. 866-979-3776. Bump and Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. It's What I Need to Know, brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. Got a little bit of a twist on today's What I Need to Know. Now you can send questions in, 866-979-3776, the Mac and Jack's text line. Special guest joining us for What I Need to Know, it's Ty France. Ty, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're great. So this is how it works. We've got some questions, some things we need to know, and we're going to ask you, but then we've also got some listener questions. So, Ty, I hope you're ready for baseball, but also very much not baseball questions. (laughs) Fire them off. Let's see what we got. All right, here we go. Well, first, what I need to know, this is actually uh, inspired by a listener question, so I shouldn't take credit for it. Have you tried that new pitching machine you guys have out there, and who did you choose to face? Um, I have. Um, every day we put the, the team that we're playing, we put the starting pitcher that we're facing, um, up in the, in the, off the machine. And so that's, uh, I've been, I've been facing opponents lately today with Seth Lugo, um, with San Diego, but I haven't faced any of our guys yet. I want to throw one of our guys on there and see what they look like. Who would you choose? I think Logan. Yeah, I would pick Logan. <laughs> that's nice. Hey, um, DePoto and Services told us, they're like, look, man, you know, this is uh, the Cactus League. Guys are working on things. Um, when you show up uh, for game day or for practice, give us, or are there objectives that you're trying to hit? Is there something you're working on, something that you feel comfortable telling us about? Yeah, I think, you know, each and every one of us, we, we have some goals in the offseason that we, that we try to accomplish. And then once we get here, it's, um, you know, just, just try and get that game feeling back under our belts. Um, you know, you can train all offseason for, uh, you know, to prepare to come here, but there's nothing really in the off season that can prepare you for a game. So most of it is just getting game reps, trying to get that feeling back. And, um, you know, guys, guys work on things in the off season and try and throw it into game action and see if that works. So I think the biggest thing is just getting, getting back out on the field and, 
you know, we got we got a couple of new guys here this year, so get that team chemistry down and uh, kind of run with that. All right, if you guys have more questions for what I need to know with Ty France today, get those sent in, 866-979-3776. Ty, I know it's, like, probably really boring when people ask you, like, hey, what's the goal for yourself this year? <laughs> but I'm going to say, anyways, just, like, what do you hope to accomplish, you personally, and then also as a team this year? I know World Series is obvious, but anything really, really specific? Yeah, I think for me personally is you know, stay, stay as healthy as I can. Um, the last two years have run into some some wrist issues, so I uh, try and avoid that this year and just stay on the field as long as I can. Um, you know, try and try and get that first half swing back and um, you know just do what I can to help the team. But um, I think some team goals. I mean, we like you said, everyone comes into spring training and you know let's go win the World Series type of type right. of vibe, but. Um, you know, this is it's it's different when it actually feels realistic. You know, these are this is a group of guys that, you know, we had a, we had a really good run last year, accomplished a lot of you know goals that that we wanted to, but we came up short. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for us is just continue to play our style of baseball, let our pitchers do their thing, and um, give them a couple runs a game. And, um, you know, I think we'll be we'll be happy at the end of October, November. Hey, Ty, I think people don't realize that athletes in any sport you're only healthy for like the first week or something. You know what I mean? Other than that, you're going to feel sore. Mm-hmm. Your body's going to get banged up. Obviously, you had some injuries last year. Is there anything specifically that you do when you leave the facility to help maintain your body and take care of those bumps and bruises? Um, you know, I think majority of it, if not all of it, is done at the facility. Um, our training staff here is incredible, and you know they give us everything we need, need and more to uh, you know stay healthy and but like you mentioned, it's you know you're lucky if you get get a week feeling a week healthy. Um, 162 games is a lot, and it's a long season. But um, you know they do a really got, good job here of you know, keeping you as healthy as possible. All right, Ty, we're going some listener questions. How about this one? Are we going to see you back in the Hawks' nest this year, cheering on the Seahawks? <laughs> I hope so. I had a blast with that. Um, yeah, you know, it's that was actually my first ever NFL game. So to be able to be in that environment. And, um, Seattle is just a great sports town, so um, to get to experience the fan side of it, um, that was a really cool experience. So, um, you know, never know. I, I I won't tell anybody yes, but don't be surprised <laughs> if you see us back. And if you see him, just just be cool, guys. Be cool. Okay, be cool. <laughs> hey, Ty, yeah, they did a great job. It was cool. Hey, man, I love listening to to what you guys walk up to. I think you get a glimpse into guys' personalities when you hear their walk-up music. But here's a listener that says, man, give me a banger to start my playoff list. What's a good one. On my playlist. What are you you listening to? Oh, I've lately I've been into uh, kind of, I don't want to call it throwback because that makes me feel old, but um, like the 2000s hip-hop. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've been in that genre lately, so... um, you could take your pick from there. There's a bunch of good ones. Now, Ty, I believe you're married, yes? We have a, a question right. from a listener for some wedding advice. They said, Ty, I need a song as a groom. Apparently, they're walking down the aisle at their wedding. They said, my bride won't let me pick the Rocky theme. Do you have any other ideas? Um, walking down the aisle? I guess. Maybe like an oh. entrance. It's probably an entrance song for him. Um. The best advice I can give him is let his soon-to-be wife pick the song. <laughs> the wife. You know what? Man. That's spoken like a like a true married man right there. It's like let her choose. Yeah. Let her choose. True married uh, you man. You can give your input. You can give your inputs, but let let her run the show. <laughs> That's good advice. You know what I did? I'd say, "What do you think, honey?" 
All right, if you really want my advice, and I'll give it to you. Hey, um, when you look at this team, there's some new pieces, man. Do you, um, how are they getting acclimated to the the Mariners' culture, and how excited are you guys just to have guys like Wong and, and AJ and, and Tao out there? Um, honestly, the the group of guys that they brought in are outstanding human beings. Um, you know, they're they're top of the top at their baseball level, but um, you know, they're they're even better people. So it's nice having them around and. Um, you know, they already have that like veteran presence and that leadership aspect and, um, you know, they, they have the playoff experience. So we're excited to have them over here now. And I think it was a lot of good key pieces that we were missing. Do you feel with the new uh, pitch clock rushed at all to get into your stance as a hitter or do you not notice? Um, yeah, you definitely feel it a little bit, um, you know, not ever having gone through it before. Um, I think it's going to be an adjustment for some guys, but. Um, you know, the pace of play has been really good, and um, I think a lot of guys are a fan of it. I think it, it's a little too quick. I think if we could slow it down just, you know, a couple seconds, I think it'd be helpful. Yeah. But um, it's just going to be an adjustment period. Hey, what about the uh, the size of the bases? Um, have you felt it? Can you feel it without even looking at it? You just put your foot down or you just feel the radius of it? Uh, how does that work for you? Um, You know, I'm it's – looking at it you notice it when you're out there playing you don't really notice the difference um you know being a first baseman i I think it's a good thing um i think it'll protect the first baseman from getting stepped on and prevent injury that way so i'm all for it they feel the exact same as the old bases just bigger so i don't think it's uh too too different but it's I think it was a, a good addition. Yeah, we've got some other random questions in here. I'm just sprinkling them in because people are obviously really excited to ask you all kinds of stuff. So they wanted to ask you about the new rules, which we did. It was very uh, insightful. I'm, it's I didn't even consider like from the hitter point of view because I'm obviously I'm not a player, and finally it makes sense. Um, as far as uh, as random questions go, someone wants to know just a classic. You have to be on a deserted island with one other teammate. Who's it going to be and why? And I'm going to add on, who would it absolutely never be? <laughs> <laughs> you would never um, choose this guy to be on a deserted island with. I'm going to take JP with me. Okay. Um, he's got the he's got the survival skills um, that would, I think, it'd be very beneficial. And then I would never, ever, ever want to be stuck with Logan. <laughs> <laughs> is it because he would turn into Walter? Like, why not Logan? I, first, I believe no, it. I, it makes sense, but I don't know why. I think Walter, I'd rather be stuck with Walter than Logan. <laughs> Walter, Walter has some fight. All right. He is Ty France, kind enough to join us for what I need to know. Thank you from us and from listeners. Kind of a silly segment, but good insight from you on the on the pitch clock and stuff too, man. We appreciate it. Have fun out there. Thanks, Ty. Well, thank you, guys. All right. That was what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. And that was Ty France, kind enough to join us on Bump and Stacy. We got to head out. We'll be back with you at 10 a.m. tomorrow as a heads up. You're also going to hear that spring training game live tomorrow. Short show uh, for Michael Bumpus, for Curtis Rogers. I'm Stacy Rost. Do not go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.